Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to the Lioness Podcast. I am your host, Aliyah Land. I am the founder and editor of Lioness, which is an online journal and community devoted to radical self-acceptance. I am also a certified pleasure and empowerment coach. Basically, it is my mission to help you love yourself more so you can do big things. You can check us out at wearelioness.com. That is the words we R A R E lioness, L I O N E S S E. Don't forget that E at the end, all one word.com. I have some really fun stuff coming your way this summer. I will be talking about that more on the podcast. But in the meantime, the best way to find out about workshops and retreats and get early access and hear about giveaways, we have a really good giveaway coming up when new podcast episodes drop, is to get on our insiders list. So I will leave a link to that in the show notes. Okay, let's talk about today's episode. So this episode is from a series of author talks I created in collaboration with the Seattle Public Library at the end of last year. And I put together this talk series all about radical self-acceptance as activism. I had the incredible opportunity to talk to some really amazing authors and activists about their work and worldview. I learned so, so much and I knew I needed to share their wisdom with you. So a quick note, please forgive the audio quality. These were live Zoom events. People were on all sorts of different headsets. Audio quality is not quite as high as I would like it to be, but I hope that you find the content more than makes up for that. So I hope you enjoy these talks. And if so, I really highly recommend that you buy a copy of the author's book, follow them, get on their mailing list. And of course, if you do, please, please, please consider buying from a local independent bookseller. I especially love third place books here in Seattle, Elliott Bay in Seattle, Powell's in Portland, and of course, bookshop.org, which benefits small independent booksellers. I will put links to each of the author's works and to these bookshops in the show notes. Okay, let's get into it. Good evening. I'm Stasha Brandon, the Literature and Humanities Program Manager at the Seattle Public Library. I am delighted to introduce tonight's speakers. Olaya Land is the founder and editor of Lioness, an online journal and community promoting connection, confidence, sisterhood, and self-love. Olaya will speak with Evian Whitney. Evian Whitney is a sexuality doula, sex educator, and sensualist. Since 2011, Evian has been dedicated to sex education and sexual activism for women and non-binary folks, helping individuals reclaim their unique sexual expressions and reconnect to their sensual bodies. Evian's work focuses on decolonizing, unshaming, and liberating sexuality at the intersection of identity, pleasure, and embodiment. Evian is the author of the just-published Sensual Self, a self-guided journal that will help you come home to yourself through your senses. Please welcome Olaya Land. Hello, everyone. Welcome. I am so thrilled to be here doing this final talk in this series on radical self-acceptance as activism. And before I dive into my conversation with Evian, I just want to give a little backstory on what this talk series is about. So first of all, I was thrilled when Stasha approached me about working with the library. I love our Seattle Public Library. I feel like during the pandemic and beyond, our library system has been just an absolute lifesaver. And I am honored and thrilled to be working with them on this talk series. The idea for this series 
as I'm sure most of you know, the past couple of years have been rough for all of us. There's been a combination of factors. First of all, that we've seen that life is precious and unpredictable. I think that's really hit home in a way that many of us didn't feel prior to the pandemic. I also think many of us were deeply marked by the violence carried out against people of color, especially in the past couple of years and the political schism that we've had in this country. And then finally, and more recently, I've been looking around and seeing burnout at just like acute levels, like I've never seen it before. So I was impacted by the work of Adrienne Marie Brown, particularly their work, Pleasure Activism. If you haven't read that, highly, highly, highly recommend it. And also by Trisha Hersey at the Knapp Ministry. These two authors and activists exposed me to the idea that rest and pleasure and self-acceptance and coming home to yourself, in addition to being healing, could also be a form of activism. So that is the idea behind these talks. And my hope was to explore what radical self-acceptance can look like, especially for marginalized communities, and also how we can use radical self-acceptance and meaningful self-care to combat burnout, lead more fulfilling lives, and show up more fully for ourselves, our families, our communities, and the world. So that said, I want to go ahead and introduce Evian Whitney. Welcome, Evian. Hi, so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm so thrilled to get to speak to you, to get to hear about your work. Somebody turned me onto your podcast, and I have been listening for quite a while. For those of you not familiar with Evian and their work, definitely recommend their podcast called The Sensual Self. Your work has been really instrumental in kind of helping me rethink my relationship to my body, to sexuality, to pleasure. So thank mm. you for all of the work that you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you for supporting me and my work. Yeah. And I haven't had a chance to hold a physical copy of the book. I ordered it and it's coming. It will be here this weekend, but I had a yeah. PDF copy to prepare for this talk. And I have to say, I love it. Oh, thank you. We're going to get a little bit more into the, the book and the format, but I'm definitely going to use that as my new morning ritual. Okay, I'll stop gushing. Let's get into it. <laughs> I always like to start all of these talks by asking my guests to tell us a little bit about their story, about their past. Today, I would like to read a short quote from your website. So you write on your website, I entered this work of sexual healing and liberation from a selfish place. I wanted to better understand my sexuality and sensuality after years of being taught that ownership of those things were off limits to me that my body was a site of temptation to myself and others, that the voice of my desires shouldn't be trusted, and that I wasn't allowed to claim my wants because of the rigidity of respectability. So I feel like this quote just resonates with so many of us, especially mm. those of us in female presenting bodies. I would just love if you could talk a little bit about how this unfolded. How did you come to doing the work that you do? Yeah, you know, I like to tell people that I really stumbled into this work. I didn't choose, you know, wake up one day and say, like, I want to be a sexuality doula and I want to do sex education. Uh, it really came from a place of wanting to understand my own sexual hangups and disconnection. That was first and foremost the primary goal for me. I really wanted to figure my issues out and get to the bottom of what was keeping me from being connected to my body. Uh, keeping me from feeling like I was worthy of being intimate with other people, that I was worthy of the pleasure that is my birthright. You know, as I started very publicly talking about this journey that I was going through and just like, you know, having a lot of curiosity about my own process and the healing that needed to be done, folks were paying attention. You know, I was publicly blogging about it. And I think um, that really helped to make folks feel that they weren't alone in their own struggles. 
Cause when I first got started, I thought that like, I was an outlier, like everyone else was having the best sex ever. Everyone was feeling super confident and good in their bodies. And I was just the weirdo, the late bloomer that, you know, was in my early twenties. And I still was having issues being intimate with others and with myself. As I started talking about this more publicly on my blog at the time, I was getting a lot of folks saying like, thank you so much for talking about this. Like literally no one in my circle talks about these issues. Everything is so sexualized. And I feel like I have to be someone I'm sexually not. I kept getting messages like that. And I also kept getting questions from people asking me when I was going to teach workshops and essentially help guide them on their journeys. And to make a long story short, I decided to go with it and begin to hold space for women, femmes, and non-binary folks to help them birth their own sexual liberation journeys, whatever that looks like to them. And um, yeah, I've been doing this for almost 11 years. It'll be 11 years in February. So it's my career now. It's what I do. (laughs) That's awesome. And I know you did something very cool. You did this sensual selfie challenge. Can you tell us a little bit about that? My heart, my heart will always be so fond of that uh, particular project. Um, I believe I had the first challenge in 2018. And that challenge was really a call to action for folks to take photos of themselves of a celebratory and embodied nature where they were taking selfies that were celebrating their softness, their sensuality, their sexuality in some cases, and posting them on Instagram. And this was back in the day when we were allowed to do such things. Um, It was such a beautiful experience. I mean, I, I still get people, actually, I was at a event the other day for a book signing and someone walked up to me and said, like, your sensual selfie challenge changed my life. Like, it really helped me to see my body and my sexuality and my sensuality and my melanin in like a different way. And um, I will always have such a fondness in my heart for that project because in everything that I do, my work is so much about wanting to empower people to be the expert. (sighs) Yeah, I, I, I guess it is the expert, like the expert of their own experience, the expert of their own sexuality and to feel a sense of like ownership with that, that they don't have to ask for permission or try to seek it from someone else. Yeah, I think that the sensual selfie challenge was a glimpse for some folks into their own innate power and sensuality. Yes, and it's so powerful. I wasn't following you at the time that you did the challenge, but I read about it and I did my own like impromptu sensual selfie challenge last year. I took pictures of nice. myself in my body like almost every day for a year just for me uh-huh. like, I post them anywhere and that is just it's transformational it's just powerful to like do for you like to take back the gaze like to let it to let you look at yourself to let you normally we're used to creating these images for public consumption and there's right. something so powerful about like doing that in a space of having a greater relationship with yourself Absolutely. Yeah. The the driving force for this challenge was to really disrupt this idea that our sexuality, our sensuality, particularly as women and like femme presenting people needs to be sort of validated or affirmed by somebody else, um, especially the male gaze. And so I grew up in purity culture that taught me that and not so many words, you know, my sexuality didn't belong to me and that I was sort of handing over any sort of sexual autonomy that I had over to my soon to be husband who would unlock my lust and my passion and, and my orgasm, which was such, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to think about now, but 
I really wanted to do this challenge as a way to say like, I'm a sexual being, I'm a sensual being all on my own. I don't need a man or a lover or even to be in a sexual context for that to be affirmed or celebrated. Yeah. I love that other people got a glimpse of that within themselves too. Yes. So powerful. I love it. I would love to talk a little bit now about sensuality, that being the theme of your new book. I feel like sensuality and sexuality, especially in America, get conflated a lot. So can you tell us what sensuality is for you and kind of the basic difference? What's the difference between sensuality and sexuality? Yeah, you're not the only one that has noticed the the conflation of sensuality and sexuality. As a sex educator, I see a lot of my colleagues using sensuality interchangeably with sexuality, which I don't think is necessarily wrong. But my hope through this book and through the work that I'm doing is to give a little bit more depth and substance to what sensuality is um, outside of the sexual context and, and the sexualized image that we have. So for me, sensuality is about being with your body. It's about a private personal experience that you have both internally and also through your senses externally that gives you information and connection and um, a sense of groundedness and embodiment within your own experience. And I think that there's a lot of overlap with sensuality into sexuality. One of the things that I say a lot in my work is that we can't have the best, most pleasurable sex of our lives without being in our bodies and in our sensuality. But one of the things that has sort of brought me to this understanding of sensuality is, um, you know, when I was in this period of confusion around my sexuality, sex and even just saying the word or thinking about doing it was just so charged for me. I'd been sexually traumatized and living in purity culture gave me all kinds of trauma as well. So sex just felt really heavy, but sensuality, even though it came with some connotations and some problematic images for me, it wasn't as heavy or charged. And so I noticed that it was easier for me to begin this journey of sexual reclamation through thinking about my sensuality and specifically my sensuality outside of the context of sex. And so I have created for myself like a container and a space where I allow myself to just be in my own body, be in my own senses, and to also explore the pleasure of that experience. You know, I think a lot of us have this mentality or this belief that we are only allowed to experience a full range and depth of pleasure when we're having sex with someone, mm-hmm. um, even that word pleasure is, it can be very sexualized. I know a lot of, <laughs> whenever I'm teaching workshops, I have to give like this precursor, like pleasure. When I say pleasure here, I'm not just talking about sex. Uh, and so like, I I'm really interested in having people be curious about their pleasure potential outside of a sexual context to really see their entire bodies as a pleasure center. And I guess the way that that's different from sexuality is that Sexuality to me is is about sex. It's about your your sexual energy. It's about who you have sex with, who you want to have sex with. Whereas sensuality is an experience I feel that is personal. It's not for somebody else's gaze. Yes. And that is why I think that it is so radical to have these practices of connecting with sensuality because we receive so many messages Like we're just bombarded with messages about how our bodies, our sensuality, the way we present is not for us. So this act of like being in communion with that in a way that's just for us, I think is really powerful and is really radical. 
I love yeah. It. Oh, I just want to share one thing from the book. And this resonated with me so much. I thought, oh, it's such a good definition. You said that sensuality is like paying attention with your senses. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's so good because we're so mired and like we're on our phones and we just have stimuli like 24 seven coming at us. So this like, uh-huh. like setting that aside and just paying attention, like how does this taste? How does this clothing feel? What does the air feel like on my skin? Like there's no time for that. I love that definition. Yeah. Sensuality to me is not a one-time experience. It's a practice that we have to cultivate. You know, it's a lifestyle that we have to actively choose each day, because I believe that if you have a body, you are a sensual being. And our job is essentially to make time, to carve out time for us to get connected to those parts of ourselves. And you're right, you know, we don't live in a very sensual world, you know, or at least we live in a world that is constantly trying to get us to go super fast and do a lot of things. There's not a lot of time for being, you know, and the way that I like to think about it is sensuality. The only way that we can access our sensuality is by slowing down. All of us have probably had an experience where we've been so in our bodies or so in our pleasure or so in the moment, either by ourselves or with nature or with somebody else, that every part of us just feels alive and buzzing. And there's a sense of contentment. There's a sense of being grounded. And that to me, that is exactly what it means to be in our sensual selves. It's it's that aliveness that we're constantly searching for. And, you know, I think the other piece of this that is really important too, because, you know, sensuality, yes, is about paying attention with your senses, but I also want to hold space for the fact that our bodies have a lot of information that they're constantly trying to tell us. We have whole emotional bodies that also is involved in honoring our sensual selves. So even when I'm, you know, in these workshops, I'm asking for people like after they go through each of their senses, I'm like, okay, what's happening emotionally with you? Like what emotions are coming up for you in this moment? And can you identify them or experience them without making any meaning? So for me, sensuality is a practice of just holding space for the total experience of your body and yourself and to not have any judgment about what's coming up, but just to allow yourself to feel into that experience and maybe, you know, invite some arousal of the senses in your everyday life as well. What you just described for me, that like integration of like our emotional bodies, our physical bodies, our logical minds, I feel like is the way forward. Mm. It reminds me of a quote you talk about. We live in a culture that values fast over slow, logic over feeling, rigidity over fluidity, mind over body. And I read that. I was like, oh, yes, this is like so, mm-hmm. so, so, and to me, this is like the stereotypically masculine patriarchal, like colonial capitalist method of working that I think so many of us are discovering that this does not work. This is treating human beings like a commodity. This is not honoring our human nature. And I think we're Uh really feeling after, especially, especially after these past two years, like how absolutely necessary that is. Yeah. Our bodies are not machines. You know, I think a lot of us treat our bodies like machines and, and we sort of only, pay attention to them when there's something misfiring about them. Through the practice of sensuality, I've been able to really feel into the soft animal that is my body, you know, and to pay attention to my body, pay attention to the emotions that are coming up in my body, the sensations that are coming up in my body that are incredible information for me. We do live in a world that 
doesn't really encourage us to take that time to slow down. And if anything, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot as I've been on these book tours and, and writing this book is that like, I feel like to, to a certain degree, sensuality has been co-opted by capitalism. This idea that we are not sensual on our own. We have to buy something or we have to consume something or wear something or be someplace in order to experience that sensuality. And I think that it's true that there are certain atmospheres or certain articles of clothing or adornments that can enhance that feeling of body connection and confidence and security within ourselves. Uh, but what I hope that folks will be able to see through this book is that sensuality is available to them at any time, that they don't have to buy something. They don't have to fall into this trap of like, I can only be sensual if I buy myself a bouquet of flowers. Like you are sensual right now in this moment. And I think the best way to enact that for us, I mean, there's so many different ways, but it's like really just sitting and being with your body. And that's hard to do, you know, in a world that tells us to, to not. That's why I feel sensuality in this as a practice like this is a radical act. Yes, totally. And that is why I'm super psyched to be talking with you and sharing your message. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I pleasure, I, I really feel like is the missing ingredient from so many of our lives, at least here in the US. Um, yes. And many industrialized countries. Like it's exactly like what you said, like treating ourselves like machines instead of human beings. And I feel like pleasure is the way to balance. But I find people have so much resistance, especially. Mm generalizing, but especially women are socialized to believe that, oh, I don't deserve that. Or I have to serve everybody else before I can like care for myself, which of course, then there's no time or energy left. Why do you think people have so much resistance to this being in the body, slowing down, engaging with pleasure? Mm -hmm. Oh, because it's hard. You know, I mean, one of the things that comes up for me around this work, just in a, in a personal way is that, you know, sometimes when we're sitting with our bodies, it can be uncomfortable to be in our bodies, you know? I mean, we can experience pain. We can come face to face with unresolved traumas. We can come face to face with emotions that are undesirable to us. And so I think a lot of us are trying to run away from ourselves. We're trying to be out of union with ourselves because it's easier to just go, go, go and escape into something else than it is to actually sit and really take stock of what's happening within us. And that's what sensuality is about. That's what pleasure is about. And one thing that I say a lot in my work is that sensuality is not just about like bubble baths and rose petals and yummy teas. Like sometimes sensuality is about sitting with grief and it's about sitting with disappointment and it's about sitting with the tension in your neck that just won't go away. And it's not about trying to judge it or to shift it or to change it. It's more so about like, can I honor myself in this moment? Mm -hmm. Like, can I be in the experience that I'm having? Can I be in these sensations that I'm having? And can I accept them or at least just allow them to be there and be fully present to them, knowing that like it'll pass. There is, we're transient. We're always changing and there's always going to be a new sensation to come through. So yeah, I think folks are hesitant to do this kind of work because they're afraid of what might be seen. They're afraid of maybe letting people down. And also, you know, we there's a standard narrative of like be productive and pleasure isn't productive, right? Like sitting in a bath is not it's it's not furthering production in some way. So I think that and again, that's why I keep coming back to sensuality and pleasure is a radical act. It's an act of resistance because it's saying like, I don't have to produce. I don't have to be useful. I don't have to 
do all of the things in order to be someone who is worthy of experiencing pleasure. I can do that right now because that is my birthright. That's what I'm supposed to experience. Yes. And we could stop this talk right here. And I feel like that would would be like a valuable, valuable message. And the first talk in this series is with Dr. Devin Price, all about like resisting the laziness lie and the fact that our worth is not tied to our productivity. So I love that you called Mm. that. I would love now to talk about your book. So I just want to shout out my publisher, Clarkson Potter, Penguin Random House, they literally gave me full license to really do whatever I want with this book. And I was able to select the images that I wanted in this book because it was really important to me that for a book about sensuality, that it didn't feel boxed in, that there was movement and also that there was representation, you know? And so a lot of, a lot of the images that you'll see in this book, they're of people that, you know, that look like me which is really, really important. And they're also photos of bodies that are just being bodies. You know, it's not about anything sexual or, you know, any crazy positions. Like it's literally just about being in your body and and the sensual experience of it. And so I'm really, really happy that I was able to create this book exactly the way that I wanted it. And that folks are going to be able to experience it in a way that is just so intentional, you know, like every part of this book was was such a labor of love. And I put so much intention and thought into everything. It really shows. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of it. Could you tell us a little bit about like, how did you get the idea for this? I have always wanted to write a book. I was writing books when I was seven. We had this very clunky PC computer where I would type on uh, Microsoft Word and I would insert a floppy disk so that I could like save my progress. Like I was very, very much into like, I'm going to be a novelist. And so I've always known that I wanted to write a book. You know, it's, it's about timing for me. And it just so happened that the timing was just really perfect. At the tail end of 2019 was when um, I really started to conceive this book. It was really important to me for a book about sensuality to not have a lot of requirements for folks to like read about it. There's a couple of pages in here where I talk a little bit about my philosophy about sensuality, what I hope that they will explore within the pages, but the rest of it is just like lined pages with questions, prompts, and practices for me to help you experience and embody sensuality because I didn't want people to just sit and read about it and be like, okay, I'm going to intellectualize sensuality with my brain. I really wanted them to experience it through their bodies. And so um, I also, it was also really important for me that this book was very exploratory because so much of my work has been about asking questions, finding the answers within myself, not looking to an expert, but really seeing myself as the expert of my own experience. And so I'm really wanting for this book to give folks permission to access their own sensual wisdom, to trust that their bodies will show up for them in the ways that they want their bodies to show up. And yeah, just to to have fun with it, you know? So yeah, I'm very, I'm very happy. It's still very surreal. I was, we were saying before we got started today that like, it's just now starting to land that I wrote a book and, you know, I've been doing this for almost two years now. So um, yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy that folks will get a chance to, to read it and, and work through it. Yes. I was going to ask you about the self-guided journal format and yeah, yeah, it is. I love that. It's so like 
exploratory and you don't have to, it was my impression. Like you don't have to go in order. You can kind of no. relate with me. You can just kind of flip through. I'm like, Ooh, this feels right today. And like, yeah. And like encompasses like different topics. Yeah. I really like the format. It just like, it feels very free form yes. illustrations to the tones that you chose to the questions and the way you move through it. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. That was really important to me. I, I really wanted folks to be able to explore sensuality without any obligation. So it is undated. Folks can just like pick up a page and like point and work on something. And then also, you know, I give them a lot of permission in here that says like, if you come across a prompt that just isn't resonating with you, or maybe you don't really want to do, like you can skip it. You know, like I really want for people to sort of choose their own adventure while also having a really nice balance of challenging themselves to show up to some of these prompts that may be an edge for them, you know? I enjoyed every moment of constructing the prompts and practices for this book. Writing a book about sensuality means that I have to be in my sensuality. <laughs> so as I was writing the book, I'm like, Evian, have you drinking water today? What is your body doing? Like, do you need to move around and stretch? So it was so good for me to write this book because I feel like it helped me deepen my own practice of, of sensuality and self-care. Yeah, I'm sure you kind of in the introduction talk about using the book as part of like a ritual uh, and sensuality as a practice. And so yes. I'm curious, how important is a ritual for you? And what do you feel like are some of the benefits of establishing this like ritual or practice around specifically around sensuality? Yeah, I mean, you know, in order for us to really begin to practice sensuality, not from, you know, a fleeting moment or an accidental experience, but more so on purpose. Like we have to show up for it. We have to create a practice. We have to be dedicated to it. And I didn't want that practice or that ritual to feel like, oh, I have to do my sensuality today. You know, I wanted this book to be approachable and fun and also inviting for them. So I really think that practices are so key, especially as we were talking about earlier, you know, we don't live in a world that is encouraging us to create practices like this. We don't live in a world that is telling us to slow down or telling us to put down our phone. If anything, we are being given messages more so now to stay connected, to continue to do doom scroll, to be on our computers. And it's so important that we carve out even just five minutes a day where we can put the screens down, we can take away the distractions and be with ourselves. And that can be scary if you're not feeling like you are in a guided sort of space around it, you know? And so I hope that this book is going to help folks feel a sense of like, okay, I'm not alone. Like I've got someone who's guiding me through this process because I found in, in my own personal experience that it can be difficult to create a practice and to stick with it all on your own, especially with all the distractions and narratives and stories that we have in our head. And so books like these can be really helpful because it's literally a, a, a practice, a ritual in a book form. Um, and you can work at it on your own pace and you can even keep returning to these prompts even after you've done them, because I, I suspect that as we grow and as we move through the many transitions in our lives, like our sensualities are going to change. Our bodies are going to change. The ways that we express our sensuality is going to change. And so I just hope that this is a living document for people, that they'll be able to explore their sensuality on their own terms and also feel a sense of it's an open, there's so much spaciousness for me to become who I want to become. And it's not just like after I've written 
this prompt, it's done. Sign still deliver no more, you know, like, <laughs> yes, let's keep coming to it. You know, what's cool about this too, it's that like, it really is allowing you to have this practice of really being in your senses. And I've noticed that the more that we work at something, the more that we show up for something and the more that we value a particular practice, the easier it becomes for us. Something that someone said in a workshop that I taught recently was that, you know, I ask folks like, how do you want sensuality to feel? And most often that question is like, I want it to feel natural. Like I don't have to think about it. I don't have to conjure it up. Like it's just a part of who I am. And so practices are what makes that connection of consistency um, and continuity that can lend to sensuality, not being a thing that you have to think about, but something that's like, oh, I'm feeling a little anxious right now. I know I have to breathe or my body is giving me a signal. I knew, I know I need to rest. Like the more that we do that, the easier it becomes. Yes. And I, well, I both like completely agree with you that it is like a muscle that like the more we, we work it, the more natural it becomes, the easier it becomes. But also what you're talking about feels to me like a return to like ancestral wisdom. The mm. idea that we even have to be like, am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Like the yes. fact that people are so cut off from like when to eat, what should I eat? How should I move my body? And we rely on exploit like diets and trainers. And we have to have somebody to tell us how to do everything because we're so disconnected from that that ancestral wisdom, that way of living that was in connection with the earth, in connection with the seasons, in connection with our senses, our bodies. So yes. I, I love this in that, in that tradition of like returning to that, like human essence that is getting just bulldozed by modern society. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And actually there's a prompt in here that I wrote with the first manuscript and I'm like, I don't know if this should stick. It's a little, it's a little weird, but one prompt and it's actually in the book is like, what bodily functions do you hold back? Like maybe it's a burp or a fart, or maybe you, you're like, you don't allow yourself to pee when you really have to pee, like really getting down to the basics of, of figuring out like, what are the parts of my body that I'm trying to control? Or I feel like I'm not allowed to like allow my body to be a body, you know? So, so much about this book is like, it, it's about encouraging us to take a very gentle and loving look at the relationship we have with our bodies to orient ourselves to being more in union with ourselves. I love that. This seems like a good place to segue into talking about the body. So I personally have been learning a lot about the wisdom of the body, about different ways to get in touch with our physical selves. And as someone who was cut off and even at war with my body for like mm. decades, it feels to me like this relationship, creating a relationship with your body is the antidote to spending too much time online, even though I definitely do not have that mastered. I spent so much time online. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> it's my big challenge at the moment. I realize like, I think, and it, it relates back to what you were talking about that earlier, that discomfort for me of sitting with my own thoughts. It's so easy to just flip open your phone and then oof, like don't have to. There do are digital phone. pacifiers. Like we're yes. using our phone as like digital pacifiers that are soothing us. One thing that I've been trying to track lately, and I'm, I'll be totally honest. I'm not good at this at all. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with admitting that because like, it's a practice, it's a journey. But one thing I've been noticing is like, when do I reach for my phone? Like what's happening in my mind? What's happening in my body? when I'm reaching for my phone, because typically we would think like, oh, it's just a gesture. It doesn't mean anything. You just reach for your phone. But like, usually it's like, I feel like I need to be soothed. I feel mm -hmm. lonely. I feel uncomfortable with 
uh, a period of silence that's happening in the room or I feel bored. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there are other things that I've I've been noticing too. And the trick with this is not to judge myself and be like, no, bad, (laughs) don't pick up your phone, but more so like, that's interesting. Like, let's, let's just track that and notice what's happening in that experience. And maybe try, try different techniques, you know, and sometimes I can get pretty good at it where I'm reaching for my phone. I'm like, Oh, no, I don't need to go on Instagram again. I need to drink some water or I need to go for a walk or I need to read a book or something. I need to sit at my altar. (laughs) Like I, I try to like give myself other options, not from a place of like, you're doing a bad thing, but like, that's not all there is. Like there are other ways that you can soothe yourself and, and feel a sense of belonging within yourself. But yeah, I feel you. It's, it's really difficult to do. It's so difficult. And I'm glad you called that that like non-judgmental or non-critical, like just meeting yourself with compassion. Cause I do want to get mad at, I get mad at myself. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe you just spent an hour on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see the thing. And this, this might not, I don't know this might be a bad thing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I am trying to not shoulder the blame of these really bad habits that we have because these apps have been designed to take us out of our bodies. They were created for community, of course, but like they're meant to be addictive and they're meant for us to reach for constantly when we are bored or feeling insecure or feeling disconnected. So like I try to give myself a little slack because it's, it's not like, I have a control over how this app or this particular function like email or something like that is like, it's, it's literally designed for me to dissociate. And so I, I do the best I can in those moments to be like, okay, Evian, it's not that you're not strong enough. It's that like this thing was created for the exact purpose that you're using it. And so how can I just say like, that's interesting. That's a good thing for me to remember so that I'm not going down this this rabbit hole of shame and feeling really bad about myself because like, honestly, it's, it's out of my control in a lot of ways, you know? I love that. It's such a good reminder that, yeah, like the apps are sticky as hell. Yes. So yes, I'm going to like, after this call, I'm going to try to meet myself with a little bit more compassion about my app usage. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think that that kind of goes back to the ritual or the practice, you know, like we can, we can hold both of those things in each hand, you know, we can say like, yes, apps are addictive and yes, it's, it's like partially out of my control. And then also I get to choose how I want my days to go. And do, do I feel a sense of joy about scrolling on Instagram for five hours a day? Like really checking in with yourself. And if the answer is no, and I'm certain that it is, <laughs> um, what sort of boundaries can you create that maybe don't have, you know, you on a brick Nokia phone, you know, but maybe it's just like, <laughs> and something that I've been practicing is not keeping my phone in the bedroom. So when I go to bed, it is like in the living room, plugged in somewhere. I'm not scrolling on my phone at night. I'm not picking it up first thing in the morning. Like that to me, it's it's a small thing, but it's in service of my sensual self. And so I want us to all be thinking about just little tweaks that we can make. That's like, yes, we live in a frenetic world that is constantly giving us so much information and asking us to move fast. What are areas of my life that I can carve out small pockets of joy, small pockets of silence, small pockets of slowness and do the best you can with that. I mean, those, those little moments, um, they add up to a lot. They really do. 
Absolutely. I'm not a fan of resolutions for exactly this reason is that like, it's yeah. people have these grand, all these things I need to change about myself, big project, but we can't sustain that, which is another right. thing that having a practice, like working with your book or any kind of personal practice, that's just like bite-sized chunks every day is so much more effective. I think. Yeah, absolutely. One, one really beautiful thing about this work that I, I have fallen into is that it feeds me so much, you know, like every time I talk about sensuality, I learned something new about it. Yes, I am booked and busy right now, but also I'm, I'm using every opportunity that I can to learn a little bit more about something that feels really personal and important to me. It's fantastic. Just to bring this all back to activism. So you've written a lot about the challenges of being queer, Black, non-binary person. And part of the reason I really wanted you to participate in this talk series is that I view you as someone who's really done a lot of work to move into deep self-acceptance and self-love. Mm. And my intention with this talk series is to eliminate some ways people, especially marginalized folks, can use self-care, pleasure, rest, sens and sensuality to build more loving relationships with themselves and stand in their full power. I'd love it if you could share any tips you have on how to move into greater self-acceptance and love or share a little bit about your journey with that. Wow, wow, wow. Such rich questions. You know, something that I've been thinking about a lot as I continue to refine and come even more so home to myself and all of the multiple identities that I inhabit is how like I have this one life to live mm -hmm. and it is imperative that I live it to the fullest. And it is also imperative that I live it with as much authenticity as possible. I'm always questioning everything. I mean, I think it's it's very clear. I wrote a book that has lots of questions in it. Like questions are a thing that I'm constantly engaging with. And so I want for people to think about the ways that maybe they have fallen into a sort of template about the ways that they think about their life or their gender or the way that they're supposed to be in relationship with their sexuality or their body or marriage. Like really think about all the the systems and prerequisites that we've been given and to ask yourself, like, does this fit me? Do I want to be living in this sort of paradigm? Are there any parts of my identity that feel boxed in by culture, by my upbringing, by the things that I'm supposed to do? And more so not as a way to like, you know, smash the patriarchy or, or become someone who's more radicalized, but more so to like dig in and figure out what is my authentic truth? Who am I? Who do I want to become? And those are like the questions that have followed me throughout most of my life, just really wanting to come back to them. And every time I ask myself that question, the answer is different. You know, it really depends on the day and it depends on what I'm moving through at the time. And so I would just, I would encourage people if they take nothing else from, you know, this, this workshop tonight, that, that they are allowed to ask questions. That is what it means to decolonize something, you know, to like go against the grain of what we've been taught to do or to think or to feel or to occupy. Continue to ask those questions, not just as a way to come into your most authentic expression of who you are, but also as like an act of resistance to all of the systems, all of the oppressions that are telling you that you need to keep yourself small. I, I really, I really feel, you know, we were talking about ancestors a lot and my ancestors were top of mind as I was writing this book and 
they're top of mind um, with me in general as I have an ancestral practice. And I'm so grateful for them because I know that I would not be here if it weren't for the ways that they might have had to dim their light or keep themselves small. And so something I think about a lot is not just like it's an imperative for me to authentically be myself, but like my ancestors didn't sacrifice. They didn't fight so hard for me to be small. I owe it to them to be the full expression of myself. So I'm not sure if that resonates with people. I know ancestral reverence or practices isn't for everyone, but if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your ancestors. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I love it. Well, and I love what you call that out. I think that choice is so fundamental. Like this idea of like mm. questioning and then like make your choice. Like you decide, maybe you do want to move your body in a certain way or you want to eat these certain kind of foods or you want to have, but like choose yeah. it. Don't just yes. society tell you, you have to like, this is the ideal body. This is the way you have to look. This is the way you have to eat. This is the way you have to work. This is who has value in our society. Like the idea that you get to choose, like that is freedom. That is liberation. That's right. That's right. Yes. Love it. Okay, before we wrap up, can you tell people where they can find you, where they can buy your book? You can find me on my website, evianwhitney.com. That's where you can find everything you want to know about me, the work that I do, how I got into this work. Um, You can find me on Instagram at evian.whitney. I have a podcast called Sensual Self. It's the same title as my book. Previously, it was called The Sexually Liberated Woman, but after coming out as non-binary, I was like, ah, woman doesn't really resonate with me. So it is now called Sensual Self. You can listen to that wherever you find podcasts. And then my book, Sensual Self, you can find that wherever books are sold. I want to encourage folks to go to independent bookstores before they go to these big corporations. And um, yeah, you can find that anywhere. Yes. I mean, thank mm. you so, so much for being in conversation with me. This was really fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation and best of luck on your sensual journeys. Thank you so much for listening to the Lioness podcast. The goal of this podcast is to promote community, confidence, connection, and radical self-acceptance. You can check us out at wearelioness.com. For more of that goodness, I will be putting a link in the show notes. To find out about upcoming workshops and retreats and to download your free intention setting guide for 2022, head to the link in our show notes and get on our mailing list. I have all kinds of free goodies coming your way and that is the best way to find out about them. This show is hosted and produced by me, Olaya Land. It's edited by Abigail Circatella. The show music is Coffee Break by Perosian. If you're feeling the show, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you can find out when we drop a new episode. If you're down to show us some extra love, please take a minute to rate, review, and or share on social media, or even just share with a friend, whatever feels good to you. I am always so, so, so grateful for your support. And this is truly the best way to get our message out to more folks. I will be back with another episode soon. Until then, have a great week. And remember that you are perfect exactly as you are. Thank you.